0: Come on, praise the Lord, everybody. Come on, we can do better than that. Praise the Lord, everybody. Come on, praise the Lord, everybody. Come on, let everything that has breath, come on, praise him like you really love him. Shake off the heaviness. Come on, praise him like you ain't got no bills due. Come on, praise him like everything is in order. Praise him like it is as you want it to be. Come on. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise Him with the loud cymbals. Praise Him with the high-sounding cymbals. Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Praise Him with the stringed instruments and organ. Let everything, come on, I said, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. While you are... While you are finding the book of Nehemiah chapter four, I want to give honor and glory to God our Father, and then to the one who was born of the Virgin Mary, and raised by Joseph, denied by Peter, betrayed by Judas, forsaken by the Jews, arrested and crucified by the Romans, died on Friday, three days later got up from the grave, and one day we'll come again to judge the quick and the dead. Anybody know who I'm talking about? And then to my paraclete, the Holy Spirit, the one who walks with me and talks with me and tells me that I'm his own. And then to this beautiful woman of God in the person of Pastor Katani. Come on, would you just show her some love? And while you're clapping, keep it going for 23 years. Don't stop there. We got to show some love for Dr. Felix Gilbert, his legacy and ministry. And then don't stop there. Any charter members in the house? Where are my charter members at? Was there anybody here in the beginning? Okay, I see. I see a few. Come on, show some love for charter members in the house. Amen. It is a gracious and grand privilege and pleasure to be here in the house of God on this Sunday morning uh, with you. I'm not going to keep you long, but as I was reflecting over this time and I was listening to uh, Pastor Katani, but even last night, yesterday, I was thinking about coming here, of course. I was thinking about my friend and brother and big brother and mentor, Dr. Gilbert, and it dawned on me. Dr. Gilbert has been preparing my way everywhere that I have gone. Even before I knew it, when I got to Lowry, he had already been there. When I got to the Air Force, he had already been there. When he got to Denver Seminary, he said, hey, man, come and teach for this program uh, that they're asking me to stand up. He had already been there. And then, of course, when the Lord called him home and Denver Seminary called and asked if I would consider taking over his role he had already been there and I said man everywhere I go I am following Felix Gilbert and then I said, you know what that's alright with me it really is that's alright with me pray with me as we go into uh, God's word and see what it is that he has for us on this Lord's day Father we pray that you would open our eyes so that we can see your word Open our ears so that we can hear what it is that the Spirit says unto the church. Open our heart that your word may be written upon its tablets that we may not sin against it. Open our spirit so that we can live out the true meaning of the fact that God is a spirit and they who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And then I pray, Lord, that you change our mind, our will, and our volition that we may have the courage and the faith to live what we learned today. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing and acceptable in thy sight, O God, my strength and my Redeemer. In the precious and powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, our King, our eldest brother, and our coming Redeemer, we do pray. And we all said together, amen. Amen. The book of Nehemiah, chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. There are 10 verses, 41 verbs, 51 nouns that form the boundary of our preaching passage on this Sunday morning. You got Nehemiah chapter 4, just let me know by saying amen. And this is the record as is in the New King James Version. But it so happened when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, that he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. Thank you, brother. I seem like I got some Bible readers in the house. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? Let me give you a little bit of context. The Babylonians, the Assyrians have torn down the city of Jerusalem and it lies in ruins. And God moves upon the heart of Nehemiah to go and rebuild. And if you can imagine it today, just imagine the city of Denver, the metro area, Aurora, all of the big buildings that we know, that we recognize, the cash register building downtown, the Broadway Bank building, all of those big high-rises, they literally have been razed, R-A-Z-E-D. They have been knocked down. Nehemiah feels led of God to rebuild. Maybe I'm talking to somebody today, and there's a part of your life that you feel like lies in rubbish. And God says, "Dig through the rubbish and find some rocks for rebuilding." And you have the opposition of the enemy and haters and naysayers who are standing on the outside, questioning what it is that God has told you to do. May I just encourage you, even before we get to the text today? and say, rebuild. Would you just look at somebody across the room and say, it's time to build, it's time to build, it's time to build. Now, Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him, and he said, whatever they build, if even a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. Hear, O our God. For we are despised. Turn their reproach on their own heads and give them as plunder to a land of captivity. Do not cover their iniquity and do not let their sin be blotted out from before you. For they have provoked you to anger before the builders. So we built the wall and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height. Look at this now, for the people had a mind to work. Don't miss that. It wasn't all on Nehemiah. It wasn't all on the preacher. It wasn't all on the pastor. It wasn't all on the leader. But the text says the people had a mind to work. Now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, The Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed, that they became very angry. And all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God. And because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. Then Judah said, The strength of the laborers is failing, and there is so much rubbish that we are not able to build the wall. The Lord bless you. If God be pleased to help me this morning, just for a few moments, I want to speak from this thought. Keep building the wall. Keep building the wall. Do me a favor. Look at one of your neighbors. Say, neighbor, keep building the wall now look at the other neighbor say other neighbor neighbor. come on say it like you mean it say other neighbor neighbor. keep building the wall wall. look up here say preacher Preacher. tell us how to keep building the wall help me Holy Spirit what are walls exactly walls are nouns they are things that serve as partitions in a building. They demark a certain boundary, if you will. Metaphorically speaking, the idea of walls represent a barrier which blocks communication or reasoning with one another. Walls can serve as protective mechanisms for the purpose of physical or mental or emotionally securing oneself from the harm caused by the circumstances of life or by other people. Walls can be bad and sometimes walls can be good. Walls can keep one from being hurt or they can sometimes keep me from hurting somebody else. You ever had that happen? You have been talking to one of your grown kids on the phone that thought they was grown. And you said to yourself, you better be glad you on the other side of this phone. That's what I mean when I say they can keep you from hurting somebody else. Walls can keep you safe from others. And sometimes they can keep others safe from you. But the walls of Jerusalem as in many other first century cities, represented a little bit of all of the above. These walls served to fortify the people of Jerusalem from their enemies of a particular city or tribe. They were high, they were thick, they were wide. In fact, they were so wide that men could take their horses and ride around the tops of these walls. They served as an advantageous defensive fighting position in times of war. If you've ever been to the Middle East or if you've ever been to Jerusalem in particular, you can see it or you've seen it in some of those replicas. I mean, these walls were 8, 10, 12 feet wide or thick. They were huge. But Jerusalem in this particular text stands in a bad way as we begin to examine it. Their walls have been torn down by the Babylonians and the Assyrians. And God now has said to them, it's time to come home. It's time. Now remember, Jerusalem was their epicenter for their religion. It was ground zero for their culture. It was uh, the biggest single part of their identity as a people. So they have been looking from captivity. And, and the walls of Jerusalem, the city itself, when we say the walls, that's metaphorically speaking to say Their entire existence as a civilization and a socialization has been torn down. Imagine leaving your house today and then returning to find that your front door has been kicked in. The windows have been broken and you step into the living room knowing that some stranger has violated everything sacred about your home. Like a baby fresh out of a bath, you feel naked, you feel vulnerable, you feel ashamed, you feel wrongly handled. And everything inside of you is saying, get me a new door and put these windows back in place. Change the locks. You just want to feel safe again. That's where Jerusalem is. Nehemiah has been touched and instructed by God. To go and rebuild the walls that once secured him and his kinsmen from the opposing forces of their enemies. So step into the text with me this morning and let's see what it is that God wants to teach us as we look at the idea of rebuilding the wall. Here's the first thing I think it is that God wants to teach us. By the way, I think this is apropos for where we are as a society. Over the last two and a half years now, we're rounding the corner, going over two, coming into three years. uh, We have looked at so many things that have been torn down. I mean, when we look at this pandemic and all that it has ravaged and rummaged through, for some of us, our families have been torn down. We've lost loved ones. For others of us, we've lost jobs and financial security. For others of us, we've, we've contracted COVID and by God's grace, we've been healed from it. But there are portions of our body and our physical well-being that will never be the same again. And then you add on top of that all of the racial upheaval that we've looked at and all of the political upheaval that we've been subjected to and all of geopolitical troubles around the world and the country. And we could look from a distance and things that once stood firm and tall and secure have now been torn down and we're looking at it and we're wondering, how in the world are we going to recover from this? Let me give you a few tidbits out of the text this morning and I'll be done. Here's the first thing I think the Lord wants us to see. Number one, pay no attention to the report of your enemy because they did not write the blueprint. Nehemiah is acting on the promptings of God. If you don't believe me, just go back and read Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 12. God put the idea of rebuilding this wall in Nehemiah's heart. If you keep reading, you'll get to 2 and 20 as Sambalad, Tobiah, and Geshem laughed at the thought of Nehemiah rebuilding this wall. And Nehemiah said this, and if you don't hear anything else I say this morning, get this word in your spirit. Nehemiah replied to those who were laughing at him. He said, the God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we his servants will arise and rebuild. Let me talk to somebody as you look at the rubbish in your life. Let me just encourage you by saying the God of heaven himself will prosper you. If you're willing to obey him and trust him and follow him, he will inspire you, encourage you, and empower you to build again. So Nehemiah has plans on his heart and vision in view that has been given by God. And the naysayers stand on the outside and they begin to laugh and to mock and to question and to oppose. Let me give you another nugget here. Don't worry about the people who don't understand your call. Because when God called you, it was not a conference call. Let me see if I can make it live for you. The people who oppose you and who oppose the vision of God, they mean no harm. They're only giving you a report from their vantage point. Let me see if I can make it live. If you take, let's say, a turtle and you set him in a field, and then if you take a giraffe and sit him right beside the turtle and say, tell me what you see, they are sitting in the same field. They are looking in the same direction, but they will have two different reports of what they can see. If you ask the turtle what he can see, he's going to report things like ladybugs, grasshoppers. He's going to report the height of the grass. He may not even talk about the weeds because he may not even be able to see the tops of the weeds. All he can see is the blades of the grass. He's going to tell you about the ants. He's going to tell you about all of the stuff that lives at ground level. But if you ask the giraffe what he can see... He's going to see the tops of the trees. He's going to see the birds as they sing. He's going to see the eagle in all of his majesty. He's going to see the clouds parting. He can tell you about the sun rising in the east and setting in the west. Listen, listen, listen. The turtle means no harm. He's only giving you a report from what he can see. Are you in the house with me today? For some of us, God has given us giraffe-sized vision, and we are being opposed by people who can only see from a turtle's level view. Don't let folks who are looking from a turtle-level view despise or discourage you from a giraffe-sized vision. They mean no harm. They just can't see it. Can I go a little further here? Sometimes when we talk about our enemies, we think of the Sanballats and the Tobias and the Geshams who are standing on the outside. But can I tell you, your enemies are not always on the outside oppressing you. Sometimes we need to expand our enemies, or excuse me, our viewpoint and understand our enemies can also be things that are on the inside of us. Let's just get real today. It's just you and me. It ain't always somebody on the outside that's working against the plan of God, but sometimes it's things in our very own life that's hindering us from the very vision that God has given to us for us. Let me see if I can give you some examples. Procrastination can be an enemy of the plan of God, a bad attitude can be an enemy of the plan of God. See Sin- in our life can be an enemy of the plan of God. Unhealthy relationships, ungodly relationships can be an enemy of the some folks you just need to get out of your life. You don't need to explain nothing. You don't need to call and work through anything. We've been down this road before. Some folks you just need to say, you look better going than you did coming. Get further and smell better. The God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and rebuild. Let me encourage you today keep building this wall. Let me encourage you, Sister Pastor, keep. Building this wall. When the rains come, build. When the storms come, build. When, when the storms of life and the discouragement of life get another rock and keep on building. When somebody knocks it down, keep on building. Keep building this wall. Here's the second thing I want you to see. It's in verse number six. Number two, Nehemiah did not do it alone. Look there in verse number six, it says, so we built the wall and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height for the people had a mind to work. Two things in this verse I want you to see. If you hurry, you'll get past it. First thing I want you to see is number one, I want you to see the plural pronoun we. Not I, not they, not them, But we, we, will you look at your neighbor and say that includes you and me? Here's what I've discovered in 29 years of preaching and 16 years of pastoring. Here's what I've discovered most people want a great church, but very few people want to build a great church. Can I say it again? when when they get there they want all of the ministries to be in place. They want the youth ministry to be popping. They want the choir and the praise team to be studio sound and, and record ready. They want the preacher to be off the charts. They want the deacons to have it all together. They want the ministry leaders to be at the top of their game. They want it all in place but very few folks want to help build it. Or they want you to build it, but they don't want to have to help contribute to it. Come on and talk. Don't get quiet on me now. See, a few minutes ago, you were saying amen. Now you done got all quiet on me. I'm just trying to help you as your brother. If it's going to be great, it's going to take God working through all of us together. That's why the songwriter said, we are holding up the bloodstained banner for our Lord. Never get tired of working on God's building. But we have to do it together Pastor Katani is only one person All of your elders and deacons they together they form a great team but individually they're only people themselves We have to do it together Now you got to see this text in order for this to really live for you now Everything about their identity lays in the rubbish the walls the temple their personal homes their schools everything about who they are is in rubbish they have been prisoners of war for the last however many years Can you imagine the futility of one person trying to rebuild the wall? Can you imagine the futility of a few people trying to rebuild the wall? God put us in community together. If you don't believe me, read the New Testament, the book of Acts chapter two. The Bible says that when God saved them, he added them unto the church. He added them to the place of community. You are not designed to be an island and neither was your church leadership. Are you in the house with me today? Nehemiah did not do it alone. Here's the third thing I want to give you, and I'm almost done. Number three. Sometimes you have to pray. And sometimes you have to fight. Most of the time you have to fight and pray. Let me say it again. Sometimes you have to pray and sometimes you have to fight. But most of the time, you have to fight and pray. In Exodus chapter 14, the children of Israel were leaving Egyptian slavery. And they realized that Pharaoh and his army are close behind them, and they got frustrated with Moses. And Moses, being the godly leader that he was, he began to call on God. Now, that makes sense. You're a leader. You're leading for God. You're leading the people of God. When you hit a wall, it seems to me that what you would do is begin to call upon God. But God's response was something that we may not, if you read too fast, you'll just go past it and you really won't understand the text. So let me just take you in it. God's response is something that we may not expect. He said, Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. That seemed strange to me when I read it. Who else Am I going to call upon? And the more I read it and the more the Holy Spirit ministered to me, here's what I think he would have us understand. Sometimes we need to pause and pray. But sometimes we need to act. And I've been around church folk long enough to know this. Sometimes we put prayer in the place of our action because we are fearful, we are lazy, we are procrastinative, we don't want to do it. So we make it sound all holy and pious and we say we need to pause and pray. Listen, there is a time for prayer and there is a time to act upon what God has given us in answer to our prayers. Are you in the house with me today? So Nehemiah 4 and 9, when he realized that the enemy was conspiring to attack them, first they prayed, and then they put watchmen on the wall with stones in their hand and a sword on their side. They put stones in their hand for building and a sword on their side for regulating let me say it a different way. They put stones in their hand to put the wall back up and a sword on their side to knock people down. Sometimes you got to fight and sometimes you got to pray, but oftentimes you got to fight and pray. Okay, let me see if I can make it live for you. Let me see if I can make it live for you. I knew you were not going to believe me. You ought to just read the gospel sometimes. And Jesus comes into the temple one day, and he finds these money changers who are doing bad business in the temple. Can I tell you what he did? He stopped and had prayer meeting. He called for a fast of Jerusalem. No, that's not what he did. He got some leather and he braided it together and he started whipping behinds out of the temple. Sometimes you got to pray, and sometimes you got to fight, but sometimes you got to pray while you fight. Can I talk to somebody in the house today? You feel like all of the fight is out of you? you're looking at your marriage, you're looking at your children, you're looking at your life and you feel like it's all over and you're wondering what is left for me to rebuild can I encourage you to reach up and tie another knot, can I encourage you to get off the sideline to get back in the ring to put your track shoes on to put your boxing gloves on and let the devil know that you came to do war and you came not destroy the house of a strong man unless you first bind up the strong man. So devil if you want to fight let me tell you I'm not new to this. I'm true to this. This ain't my first rodeo. This ain't my first fight. Let me tell you something. Woo. Let me slow down. Help me Holy Ghost. Ah. When I look back over my life, I can see how faithful God has been. I'm trying to keep myself calm now because I'm thinking about the goodness of the Lord. I think about, I think back to the 1980s when I watched my mother cough up blood clots as big around as her fist. But all of these years later, she's here. I think about, I think about... I think about when my wife was pregnant with my son and the doctor gave him only a 33% chance of being normal. So there's a 33% chance that he's got some type of some type of blockage going on in his development. There's a 33% chance of something else and then there's just a third of a chance that he's normal. But can I tell you something? When God is on your side, God don't need no odds. God don't need no vote. God don't need no doctor to approve it. And I watched him come into the world with a team of specialists around him sticking tubes down his throat and trying to see what's going on. And 30 minutes later, I could hear them handing them over to my wife him a clean bill of health don't tell me what god won't do i've been here before i think about 12 15 years ago when i thought my ministry was over because i had blown it because i had messed it up and i watched people walk away from it god said when you think you're all washed up you might be just getting started don't tell me what god won't do hallelujah Let me give you this last thing and I'm done. If you're going to rebuild, there are some good rocks to be found amongst the rubbish. The laborers are getting tired. I'm in verse 10 now. I'm done. The laborers are getting tired And there's so much rubbish that they feel like they're not able to rebuild the wall. And that's how life looks sometimes. It looks like rubbish. But don't forget, if you keep sifting through the rubbish, every once in a while, you'll come across a good rock. You set that rock aside because you'll need that for rebuilding. And you just keep Sifting through the rubbish. Sometimes we look at our marriages, our attitude is bad. Our love making is bad. Our finances are bad. Can I encourage you, don't look there, but look back over where God has brought you from and keep sifting through the rubbish. And if you keep going through the rubbish, you'll find some good rocks. And can I tell you something? If you find enough rocks, you can rebuild this wall. Can I tell you about some more rubbish? I'm finished here. One Friday just outside of Jerusalem there was some rubbish on a hill called Calvary. And the Jews thought that it was all over. The Romans thought that it was all over. But I can hear Jesus saying, go ahead and tear this body down. Tear this building down. Tear this wall down. And in three days, I'll rebuild it. You see, they thought he was talking about the temple of Jerusalem. But he was talking about the temple of his own self. Because Jesus said, upon this rock. I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So one Friday, they put him down in the rubbish, but Friday and Saturday, Jesus was sifting through the rubbish, and by Sunday morning, he had found enough rocks for rebuilding, and now all of these years later, we can sing together. Praise God! from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Give Him praise in the house. Keep building this wall.